Words appear. Whose blind life is it anyway? Present. In association with Mel's blind life. Mel's travel guide. Brought to you by VIP Tech. Welcome to Mel's Travel Guide here on Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? The show where Mel regales you with tales of her adventures around the world. I am your announcer, Victor Gouveia. And remember, if you like what you're about to hear, activate the like button and share it with your friends and family, especially if you think they can benefit from anything we say here. And subscribe to both Victor... uh, Victor, <laughs> whose blind life is it anyway? And Mel's blind life. Uh, you can also catch us on podcasts, and uh, whether you have an iDevice and Android device, or whatever device you have, just go to your podcast section or your favorite podcast app. Do a search for whose blind life is it anyway, and uh, you'll get our episodes. You can also do it hands-free with Alexa, as uh, she's very interested in getting our episodes to you. So, today, the living legends. And I bring you your host, Mel. Good evening, Victor. Good evening, everybody, or good morning, depending on where you are in the world. How are you today, Victor? Oh, you know, I can't wait to hear this. about the, I've read a little bit about the living legends, and uh, they seem to be quite the place to go to. Uh, it is an amazing property, beautiful, beautiful place. Birds singing, flies buzzing, horses neighing. Fine food. It is a lovely place. Oh, the food. So what is The Living Legends? So Living Legends is a retirement home for racehorses uh, here in Melbourne in Australia. And when I say racehorses, I mean big money-winning amazing horses that have won our greatest race, the Melbourne Cup, or that have won other such really big horse races here in Australia. So not every racehorse can get into the Living Legends. And the idea of the property is to have the legends there for people to come and meet with and mingle with and and to enjoy uh to enjoy learning about the horses and to also sort of understand that they have a life after racing and and the positivity um, around what racehorses can do when they stop running. Uh, they have a few programs where some of their horses are uh, still ridden. I know at least one of the horses they were saying they were training up to do some dressage or some jumping and things like that. So 
they they do things with their legends still as well as just allow members of the public to come along and feed a Melbourne Cup winner a, a piece of carrot. So it is a fantastic place. It's set on about 150 acres in um, in their park that they they are in and they have um, a, a beautiful old homestead that was built back in the 18 oh, somethings like a long old time over 150 years ago and they have um, beautiful food absolutely amazing food and it's just a really great place to go and learn a little bit about the history of horse racing but also to go and just have a great day out in the park. You can see kangaroos hopping around and look at some gorgeous, both really um, historic plants and flowers and also looking at some of the beautiful roses that they have there. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful place. What about koalas? Well, I suppose there are probably some koalas there. But are you there? Have to okay. Be- you have to be pretty good at spotting a koala because during the day he's usually up a tree sleeping. Right. And they can be pretty hard to see apparently. I've never actually seen or met a koala before, but kangaroos hop around a bit. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and so, they offer tours on a bus of some kind, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes. So they have... Their accessibility at the Living Legends is absolutely phenomenal. If they haven't won awards for accessibility yet, I'm sure they're coming one day because they have a, they accept a thing that we have in Australia called a companion card. Now, a companion card is something that someone who is blind or has low vision or any kind of disability uh is entitled to um, once you reach the age of, I'm fairly sure it's 18 because you're not considered a child anymore. And basically what the companion card does is it allows the person who has a disability to access a tourist place or public transport with a, a support person, a caregiver, free of charge so we went with a friend um my mum and I and a a friend of ours went and we actually used one of our companion cards to be able to get our friend in um as mum's sort of companion to give her side a guide and and to just uh, you know help her out so companion cards are great so that is one big tick that they accept companion cards at the living legends and the second thing that they have which is absolutely phenomenal when you're talking about accessibility is they have a golf buggy that they use for people to um, who have reduced mobility or limited mobility um, to get around the property because it's slightly uneven it's up and down hills it's gravel paths and if someone has a a physical problem or even someone who is elderly being able to use the golf cart on their tours is a really great way of still being able to experience the park but not having to 
you know, not having to, to push themselves physically. So we used the, the car. We weren't going to, but uh, I was um, having a bad pain day with a physical problem that I've got with my leg. So I was in quite a bit of pain that day. And when we found out that it was up and down hills, I thought, no, we're going to have to use the, the golf buggy because I couldn't uh, do all that. But they have absolutely fantastic. It, they will drive the golf buggy right up to the homestead and, and pick you up from having your morning tea and then they will ride, you know, you, you can ride around from one paddock to the other and um, they park you, they park it sort of right at the paddock gate that you can go up to the gate and um, the horses are on the other side of the gate and you can pat them and everything. So it makes it a lot easier um, to get around with the buggy. It's a fantastic thing that they've got there. And they just have some really great accessibility things there as well. So, um, they, yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. Do they offer you, uh, do they give you a, a companion to guide you around, sighted guide? So there's different um, sort of levels, I suppose you could call it, of tours. Mm-hmm. And I always recommend that someone who is blind or has low vision has a a guided tour and we right. actually did the it's called we we did a, a grand day out i think the tour was called and that is a private guided oh tour. i read about that yeah mm-hmm. and a private guided tour lunch and a devonshire tea on arrival and that meant that it was just my mum uh our friend and myself with the tour guide and we were actually very blessed because Dr Andrew Clark who is the CEO of Living Legends and their veterinary consultant actually took us around himself so it was pretty phenomenal that you know we were given guide by the CEO I'm not going to say that's going to happen to everybody but it was pretty special that that's what um, well, that's royalty. That's yeah. royalty. So, and he made sure that he took us and showed us the memorial garden that they have for some of their legends who have passed. And um, he took us and show us, showed us some of the roses that they've got growing in honour of um, a few um, of the female racehorses, a few of the mares that they don't have there but have been you know, um, real champion mares and he was just fantastic. And I think from my personal point of view, if you do a, any kind of tour as someone who is blind or has low vision, you'd be much better off than doing just a self-guided tour, which they do have. But, yeah, I, I think for someone who's blind, it would be a better idea to do a tour with one of the staff and they'll help like they you know, they will help. Were you able to feel the horses? Yeah. So part of our tour was that we gave, um, we went around with a big bucket of carrots and we gave carrots to some of the legends. And, yeah, we got to, um, we got to pat, you know, some of them on the nose and feed some of them carrots. I did, um, we didn't get to, you know, go in the paddock and feel their whole bodies and stuff like that Mm -hmm. which um they don't really do that 
Um, but I did sort of suggest that as a sort of suggestion that maybe if they had someone who, you know, was blind and wanted to see what a horse actually looked like, that they might get one of their quieter horses out and and physically show them, um, you know, their their body and stuff. But, um, yeah, we got to pat some of them on the nose and give some of them a carrot, which was pretty it's, I mean, it's pretty phenomenal, really. It's like meeting celebrities, like. But it must oh have gosh. been, it must have been disappointing for you. Oh, look! I wasn't expecting that we'd be able to like feel them all over and stuff like that because um, they do have to meet safety standards um, and and stuff like that. But you know, for me, I think just being able to to pat them and to say that you've met them is pretty pretty good right because resources having had sight i i know that resources are very svelte and very muscular um yeah they are when they're in in race yeah condition um they they do probably lose a bit of that muscular condition when they're um especially when they go to paddock condition and some of the horses that we met, I mean, the oldest one was 28. So, wow. you know, they obviously lose a bit of condition as they get older. So they're not all as muscular as they are when when you meet them, uh, when you see them when they're actually in race um, race condition. That is such a such a a, a picture that you're painting of a mm. retirement center for horses. I can just see them playing pinochle. <laughs> uh, they're pretty cute and they um they match them pretty well like they have them all in paddocks of twos and threes um and they all sort of try and match them all to horses that have been together before or horses that you know they know are going to get on well together so they they do put some consideration into making sure that when they do paddock the horses together that they're um, that they're able to sort of have a, a bit of a pecking order, but that they're safe as well right. from being hurt by each other. Right. And, and uh, is it a full-day excursion or just a So the, the tour that we did, um, we got there probably around 11 a.m. and we left just after 2, um, so... Three or three or four hours, I would mm-hmm. put aside, and you know we, of course, in in including in that we ate morning tea and ate lunch. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, you have to be able to sort of. It, it's a lot to fit in in you know a short period of time, but it's done really well. Um, mm-hmm. And we also we also had time to walk around and and explore the homestead um, as well. They have, um, in the homestead, they have set up some memorabilia. Um, they have, like, a, a rug of one of the old horses. Um, they have a, a special silk rug that they put on the horses when they win a race. Uh, yes. And so we got to feel um, they had one of those on display, so we got to feel that, which was pretty cool. Um, and then they have a lot of other things on display. They had a couple of um, 
couple of different horses' shoes and they had a couple of different um, horses' bridles and some reins and things like that. Unfortunately, some of that stuff was behind glass cases, so we couldn't feel them. But um, yeah, It would have been nice to have replicas out. Mm, there's, some, there's some interesting history um, if you... You know, if you're there with someone who's um, your companion, there's some pretty interesting history there to read, um, both about the homestead and about some of the horses as well. So, yeah. Is horse racing uh, a big thing in Australia? Um, Yeah, look, there's – it's a pretty big industry um, and it's it's a, a pretty tough industry to be involved in. Um, both from the person's point of view and and the horse's point of view, and it's um it's it's quite popular here, mm. really. I, you know, I I think that Living Legends is a good thing because it supports life after racing for some yeah. of our um, equine friends. Right. Um, unfortunately, the racing industry per se isn't always necessarily the kindest or the sort of how do I put it it's it's not always necessarily the kindest or easiest industry for the animals to be involved in but um yeah I'd imagine there's a lot of accidents there there are and you know there's been some pretty negative publicity around the Melbourne Cup, especially in the last couple of years, um, since 2013 to 2020, they had um, several horses either euthanized or or passed away for some reason um, on Melbourne Cup Day or associated with Melbourne Cup Day. Um, as a matter of fact, two of the horses who are in the memorial garden at Living Legends passed away on the same Melbourne Cup day. Um, one of them passed away of a massive heart attack in his stable after the race, and he was the favourite um, mm-hmm. to win the race, and he passed away in his stable after the race, which is quite, you know, quite sad. Do they and do steeple races as well or just strictly horse? Yes, they do, they do jumps racing as well. Okay. Um, they use different horses, obviously. They don't use the the gallopers for the for that, and that's yeah. a that's a big bad industry. And there's a lot of people who want that banned. Um, that industry needs. But there's a lot of people who think that that industry needs to be shut down completely. And there's people out there who think that the gallops need to be shut down as well. So, yeah, Why? It's, um, because of the amount of um supposed animal cruelty really mm. there's a there's a lot of people who think that all horse racing should be banned and um it's it's quite a difficult sort of topic to to get into and to um to talk about but it's um that's really yeah. interesting because i thought i thought <clears throat> that sort of stuff went out with the circuses ah uh, no no, there, there's a lot of people who either see the results of the of the racing industry on the horses, or are involved in the racing industry and get out of it because they see what happens to the horses during training. That 
think it should be banned. Right. But I, I can't get into that really. Yeah, yeah. So. So tell me, did you have a lunch there? Yes, we had. Um, so we got there and we had Devonshire tea, which was amazing. Um, the scones were absolutely phenomenal and they were quite big, um, really. For a, I've never seen a scone that big um, with jam and cream and, you know, all of that sort of stuff and a nice cup of coffee. And then we went around and saw the horses and we finished, we finished morning tea actually and we were like, um, and we have to fit in lunch after this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily, we went around and saw the horses first, and so we had a tiny bit of time for our lunch, our morning tea to go down, uh, and then provided as part of our what we paid for for our package, we got lunch as well, which was um, some fruit juice and um, some sandwiches and a small like cheese platter type thing. So. And it was like they were pretty nice sandwiches. They had all sorts of, I don't even know what they had in them, but they had ham and tomato and lettuce and all sorts of really nice things in them. And um, they had, a, they did a cheese platter that had some, um, some I think they were custard and raspberry or something tarts as well as, a couple of different types of Australian sauce cheese. You and, are making me so hungry. Yeah, yeah, and some <laughs> and some um, strawberries and and grapes as well. So it was really nice. Um, yeah. They also they do also have a like a kiosk um, for people as well that sells, you know, pies and hot chips and you know that sort of more. How do I put it? less fancy food right yeah um and they you know they do coffee and and hot chips and pies and and chico rolls and things like that there as well so if you don't do a if you don't have a lunch package as part of your tour um you can still get something to eat um and they also supply um water as well for you to go and and you know stay hydrated we were there on quite a warm day i think it was like 31 the day that we were there so they were you know selling plenty of water to make sure people stayed hydrated and and everything like that so yeah it was really really good they had um they have tables outside for people to sit um at and have their their meal and they also have um think they might have an undercover area as well that people can sit at outside to have their meals um but we didn't explore that we sat inside um on the at the tables in the traditional old um dining room um which was really really nice i would imagine that would be dangerous wouldn't it be with all the kangaroos running around no 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 dangerous the kangaroos aren't don't come that close to the house and don't um, interfere with the people and the kangaroos. Oh. I, I'm fairly sure that they're not encouraged to hang around people because I'm fairly sure they didn't. Um, I didn't hear anybody talking about feeding the kangaroos. So yeah. the kangaroos aren't 
tame and they aren't encouraged to be around food by um, people feeding them. So um, I think they are quite safe, kangaroos. Yeah. How far are you from uh, Living Legends? So it took us 50 minutes to drive there. It's actually right next to Melbourne Airport. Um, I don't know if you can get any public transport there, but it would be quite easy to go to a railway station and get a taxi from there when we were looking at doing it without going with our friend who actually drove us. Um, oh, excuse me. It was going to be about a 20-minute um, taxi ride from Sunbury Station, which is the end of the suburban line from Melbourne. So it's quite easy to get to. You just have to be willing to pay um, to go to it in a taxi. Is that expensive? Um, well, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> it, it depends what you call. I think the self-guided tour, I think, is like, I don't know, $49 or $50 or something for people who don't have concession cards. Um, but it, it sort of depends what experience you want to do and and how much you're sort of willing to pay as well. But mm -hmm. they have, you know, they have experiences right from sort of $50 to $200. So um, it's up to it's up to you what experience you want to do as to how much you have to pay. And is the food included with your package? If you get one of the more expensive packages, then yes, it is. Oh, okay. Wow, that sounds beautiful over there. Yeah, it was it it was a great day. Um, you know, it's it's not not every day you get to feed a Melbourne Cup winning horse a carrot, and you know some of the horses out there are worth like they've won. 17 18 19 20 million dollars you know in yeah. prize money over their careers yeah. and you know we met we met the horse prince of penzance who won the melbourne cup cup in 2000 and i'm always going to get this one um anyway 2015 or 16 i can't remember exactly which now i think it was 2014 i read he was the first um, he was the horse that won the Melbourne Cup with a, a female jockey and he it was the first time in over 100 years that a female jockey had won the Melbourne Cup. Um, and so, you know, getting to win, meet that horse. I mean, he didn't have a – he wasn't a huge, huge winner or anything, but that was his big – it was 100 – he was 100 to 1 going into the race. Right. And the fact that he was able to win it with such bad odds with a female jockey on it on him made him quite famous um, for it, really. And um, it was, you know, really nice to be able to meet him. And and there was, um, you know, a couple other horses there who have won, you know, one on two or three Melbourne Cups and, yeah, so it's pretty phenomenal to be able to say that you've met, you know, these horses. Like I said, it's like meeting a celebrity. Yeah. So, and are there many women jockeys? Um, I think there's starting to be a few more now, but certainly when Michelle Payne 
won the Melbourne Cup on Prince of Penzance. It was um, it was one of the you know there there haven't been very many women jockeys even riding. It opened in the a Melbourne lot of the doors. I take it. Yeah, I think it did, and um, there's you know there's been a movie made about her 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 win since she's written a book since like her you know her sort of biography and it's sort of opened a lot of doors for her as well and the other thing about her story in particular which is really great is that her um her strapper so the person who you know looked after the horse groomed it fed it um saddled it up everything like that before the before the race that was his her younger brother and he actually has down syndrome so um that sort of made the story you know a little bit more eye-catching in that you know the the person who was the strapper for this horse was um had a disability so not only Mm -hmm. was it one one by a woman riding but it was strapped by a a person with a disability so that was also you know, a really cool part of the story for, for Michelle and, and Prince and and her brother Stevie as well. So that was pretty good. And that's amazing, isn't it, that uh, someone with a, a mental disability having the ability to take care mm. of a prize horse like that. Yeah, and it's, you know, and it's not that difficult really to do. The, I've, I've been a strapper riding for the disabled before, um and it's it's basically just like i said just being able to to lead the horse and and handle the horse and to be able to put the saddle and bridle on it and brush it and things like that so it's it's work that's quite easy but for for the person the the trainer to let him in and to allow him to you know to strap the horse on melbourne cup day is pretty great and um that that to me is a good thing that they had that sort of link to the disability community as well as um a female jockey doing riding the horse because it's not something you very often hear of Mm -hmm. Mm. it's amazing yeah it's it's a great story and it's i haven't seen it because it doesn't have audio description but apparently it's a really good movie as well, Ride Like a Girl, that talks about um, Michelle and, and Stevie's experience with Prince of Penzance and, and growing up. But they grew up in a racing family, so, um, you know, they sort of had the world at their feet, as it were, because their dad was a racehorse trainer. So they were able to get into the industry really easily. Which mm-hmm. is um, which is good. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but yeah, it was it was a great experience. And the thing about like tourist places in Melbourne as a whole is they accept things like companion cards a lot more, and and it's a lot easier to do things like that. I actually went on Monday last week. I went to a wildlife um, park with my friend who came to Living Legends with us. And once again, you know, they accepted my companion card, which meant we only had to pay one, um, you know, one entry fee. Um, They even, um, those of 
our listeners who follow me on Instagram um, would have seen that I even got to pat a lizard because we were walking through the um, we were walking through the reptile house and there was a guy I don't know what he was doing but he was doing something with the the lizards and he sort of saw us walking past and I you know I had my cane unfolded and um, he said oh would you like to pat a lizard so um, or would you like to feel a lizard so I got to feel a lizard and you know I think as a whole a lot of um, places around Melbourne are starting to be a lot you know really inclusive and really great when it comes to um, disability access and involvement and and stuff and that's really really great so they're more open to participation as i i think so yeah i think they're starting to to be a lot more open to participation and and stuff like that that's amazing yeah that's amazing i mean that's that do you do you guys have a national disability act yes we do Okay. Yeah. So does it have any teeth, though? I think it does. Yeah. Okay. So everyone's trying to abide by that. I think a lot of people are starting to, yeah. And I think, you know, Tourist Place and that in particular are starting to really get a great... um, yeah, tourist places are starting to do really well with it, I think, um, which is really great to see. Aside from the Sydney Opera House, are there other tourist attractions besides the Living Legends? Oh, there's heaps and heaps of stuff. There's, you know, just in Melbourne, there's the Puffing Billy train, There's, um, which is a steam train. There's the Melbourne Zoo, the Melbourne Aquarium, there's um, the Eureka Sky Deck, which is a 85th floor, and you can go out and look at um, the Melbourne City and, you know, there's um, all sorts of, like, boat tours down the Yarra River and there's all sorts of different things that you can do um, in Melbourne itself and, you know, you get further out and and you have things like the Central Deborah Gold Mine in Bendigo and you have the um you have all the Eureka Stockade and the um Sovereign Hill um settlement village and, and gold place in Ballarat and there's you know big Chinese museum in Bendigo there's places in there's all sorts of things, and it's really, really interesting. Yeah. So uh, people can make a go of, of vacation down in Australia. Oh, absolutely. There's so much to do. And, you know, I mean, just I've... in Melbourne alone, it's, yeah. it's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. The things I've just read. And then there's, you know, the laneways in Melbourne and all the different street art. And, you know, at this time of year, you've got the Maya Christmas windows that you can look at and, you know, the Christmas windows tell a different sort of Christmassy story every year and there's, oh, there's just so much just in Melbourne that people can do. It's just absolutely amazing. And do you get, do you, I have to ask, do you get the cold down there? 
We do. At the moment, it's, um, yeah, it's not too bad, but we can get, it doesn't snow here though, which is. Okay. We've got, we've got a temperature of minus three right now. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't get that cold. (laughs) It would probably get to that overnight in winter, Mm -hmm. but, um, it doesn't get that cold during the day here. No. Not even oh, in winter. Okay. It it probably does up in the snow, like on Mount Buffalo and places where it snows, but right. it doesn't it doesn't here, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's a it's a pretty nice place. I really have to take a trip to yes. Australia. Yes. Come and see Australia. If anything, so I can pet the horses. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, no, Australia is great. Don't worry about our animals. We just tell people about our drop bears and snakes and spiders to scare people. But, yeah, the the drop bears and snakes and spiders are more scared of you than you are of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have a lot of uh, wildlife shows here on the Discovery Channel uh, that are based in Australia. Yeah, now they're more scared of you than you are of them, and as long as you keep your distance, you're right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Do you want to end the show there? <laughs> well, unfortunately, guys, I don't have anything else to say. Um, and it's probably everyone's bedtime. <laughs> so- Dinner time. Have we got any comments? Uh, doesn't seem to be. Oh, I'm gonna just no. be so excited one day when we get a comment. Um, just I yes. agree with you. Anyway, guys, thanks for watching. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to be talking about next week, but hopefully, I'll dig something up. And uh, uh, I thought you were on holidays next week. No, next week I'm not on ho- I'm not on holidays until the twenty first. So the twenty fifth. Oh, okay. Um, so My maybe mistake. next week we'll talk about something to do with Christmas, maybe. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, New Year's celebrations. Yeah, what are they? What's that like down there? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually in bed before midnight. Are you? Yeah. Party pooper. (laughs) Yeah. It's true. All right. Well, thank you all for watching, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody.